Well, good evening, everyone. How are we all? We good? Good? Yep, as the guy said, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the members here at King's. And um, up on the screen behind me, we should have a photo of me, aged two. Oh, see, there I am. Just to clarify, that's me at the front. That is my sister at the back. And my earliest memories are from inside that building, the Royal Hospital for Sick Children, right here in Edinburgh when I was about two. It all started when my parents returned from work one day to find my babysitter in a bit of a panic. I'd become suddenly very sick and I was struggling to breathe. They immediately rushed me into hospital, of course, and I was admitted with severe croup, which is a type of respiratory infection, and asthma. Not a great combination. It wasn't immediately obvious to the doctors how sick I was, but as I slipped in and out of consciousness in the hospital, um, my parents, who were sitting with me alone in the ward at the time, became convinced that I might die in front of their eyes. Of course, they shouted for help, and when the doctors came running, I was rushed into intensive care, where I was sedated and tubes were inserted to help me keep breathing. And a rough two weeks followed in the hospital. Unfortunately, I developed a serious reaction to, uh, to the sedative that they were using, which meant that my whole body swelled up, and so they couldn't use that anymore. I know I received wonderful care from some excellent doctors, and eventually I was able to go home. Although at first I was so weak that I couldn't talk or walk for a while. Once I was at home, one of the doctors who treated me in hospital came knocking at our door, uh, at the house that we lived in, and um, he wanted to impress on my parents the importance of them calling an ambulance immediately if I had any more uh, inkling of any breathing difficulties. So severe was my condition. Unfortunately, over the next few months, I did have more major asthma attacks, which led to more emergency trips to the hospital. And uh, doctors were baffled as to what was really going on because my symptoms were so extreme and they came on so suddenly that they didn't really know what was happening. One morning, my dad had to leave work, uh, leave for work really early. He was going away on a trip. And shortly after he'd left, my mom came through to my bedroom to get me up because she needed to take my sister to the nursery. But as soon as I woke up, another huge asthma attack came and I began to wheeze violently. And in that moment, something strange happened. My mom felt suddenly angry. Angry at the illness. Angry that it so often came on when one or both of my parents weren't around. She felt like I was being attacked, and she angrily said out loud, get out of him right now in the name of Jesus. And in an instant, I stopped wheezing. I was completely calm, and I looked up, and I'm told that I said, it's gone now. It's gone now through my head. And from that moment on, I have never had another asthma attack or suffered any respiratory problems. Jesus had completely and instantaneously healed me. Praise God. 
You see, Jesus heals the sick. I might not be standing here today if he didn't. We shouldn't be surprised by stories like mine because Jesus shows us over and over again in scripture that he has authority over sickness and even over death. We're currently in a series in these evening meetings going through the book of Luke, one of the accounts in the Bible of Jesus' life. And we're asking what this book tells us about who Jesus is and what he does. Now, if I gave you a copy of Luke's gospel and asked you to read it from beginning to end for the first time, and then I asked you, based on what you've just read, who is Jesus and what does he do? I think one of your first answers would be, judging from this, Jesus is a healer. And he went around spending a lot of his time healing the sick. It's sometimes said without a great deal of exaggeration that when we read about Jesus, he's either healing somebody on his way to heal someone or on his way back from healing someone. We see Jesus heal people from fever, swelling, uh, skin diseases. He restores full sight to the blind, full movement to the paralyzed. He completely heals somebody with a withered hand. He miraculously reattaches a severed ear and he repeatedly delivers people from demons that are making them sick. And that is just a drop in the bucket. Some verses like Luke 4 verse 40 say, all who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Amazing. We see Jesus healing women, men, Jews and Gentiles, poor people and rich people, powerful people, social outcasts, you name it. He healed them. It's impossible to read the book of Luke and conclude that Jesus saw healing as some kind of side project. It is clearly a priority for him throughout his ministry. Healing is right at the heart of who Jesus is, and so it should be right at the heart of who we are as his followers. Now, I don't know how tonight's topic makes you feel, excited maybe, nervous, skeptical perhaps. I believe with all my heart that God wants to do something in every person here tonight, that we might take him at his word, that he really is a healing God. And we're going to leave plenty of time later on to ask him to do just that. But first, let's see Jesus in action in the book of Luke. So we're going to read Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. So if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to turn to Luke 8, 40 to 56, or it'll be on the screen as well. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she'd spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling 
and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. In this story, we meet two very different characters who approach Jesus in two entirely different ways. Yet, Jesus provides healing for both of them. You see, healing is open to all. There's no qualification to receive it. Just look at how different these two people are. First of all, we have Jairus, and he runs the local synagogue. He's, he's a powerful guy. He's influential. He's well-respected in his community, a good kind of religious standing, I'm sure. He's the sort of guy that the crowd might have expected Jesus to listen to. Yet his privileged position can't do anything to save his dying daughter. Very publicly, he throws himself at Jesus' feet, pleading for him to help. He's not afraid to put himself right in front of Jesus and ask him to intervene. Now compare this with the woman we meet in verse 43. Her situation could not be more different. We're told she's been hemorrhaging for 12 long years. This must have had a devastating physical and practical effect on her. And in ancient Jewish society, it also had enormous social and religious consequences for her too. Because under Levitical law, as long as the bleeding continued, she was unclean. That meant she was prohibited from entering the temple to make a sacrifice or worshipping in the synagogue. She was unable to touch any other human being lest she transfer her uncleanness to them. So it meant she couldn't even risk being in close proximity to other people. She was completely isolated and cut off from her community. She tried everything, but no doctor could help. And she'd spent everything, but no one could come up with a cure. Just like Jairus, she is desperate for Jesus' help. But her condition meant that she approached Jesus very differently. She felt like she couldn't approach him openly. We read of her fearfully and timidly approaching Jesus from behind, hoping to go unnoticed. These are two very different people at opposite ends of the social spectrum. And they would have had very different ideas about where they stood before God. Their approach to Jesus couldn't be more different, but he responds to them both with healing. You see, the healing power of Jesus is not something that's earned. It's a gift of grace that all of us get to ask for and expect to receive. It doesn't matter how you're feeling here this evening, you get to ask God for healing. 
it's important to remember that it's not about you. It's never about you. It's about the one who heals. It's all about Jesus. There's nothing we can do to deserve healing. But there is one thing that both of the characters in our passage have in common. Faith. They both believed that Jesus would heal. So let's look back at the start of the story. Jesus is welcomed by an expectant crowd. These people knew his reputation for healing and for miracles. And you just get the sense that there's a real hunger, a real desire for Jesus among the people. And the woman with the bleeding is part of that crowd. She's there for one reason. She believes that Jesus will heal her. The same story is included in Mark's gospel as well. And he gives us a little bit more of an insight into what she was thinking. He writes, She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Of course, towards the end of our story in Luke, Jesus commends her faith. Your faith has made you well, he tells her. Faith also played a key role in the healing, the healing rather, of Jairus' daughter. Jairus clearly has faith that if Jesus can just get to his daughter before she dies, he can heal her. Of course, we read that his daughter dies before Jesus reaches the house. And the messenger who comes clearly doesn't understand the extent of Jesus' authority over sickness and death. And he tells Jairus, it's over. Let's go home. I think Jesus knew that Jairus was thinking the same thing because before Jairus can say anything, Jesus intervenes and gently commands him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. This line could be translated, keep believing. Don't give up on faith. I think we often need that kind of encouragement when we face sickness, when we face difficult things. And that's the encouragement Jesus offers. So faith clearly plays an important role in healing. We see time and time again in scripture that Jesus loves faith. God loves faith. He's looking for faith and he loves responding to our faith. I, I think we can sometimes overcomplicate the relationship between faith and healing. You know, we start to kind of worry, uh, but do I have enough faith? Things like that. But Jesus said in Matthew that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will move mountains. And I'm sure most of you know mustard seeds are tiny. And what he's saying is that any amount of faith is enough faith. I think one of the main reasons that a lack of faith tends to lead to a lack of healing is that when we do not believe, we just do not ask. We're unlikely to regularly ask for something that we don't really believe is going to happen. For example, I have, this might come as a surprise to you, but I have no expectation that Dan here can make the sunshine in Edinburgh. So I haven't asked him at all to make sure that we get a good summer this year. Well, that would be great. But we do know from the word of God that Jesus has all authority over sickness and even over death. And this should really encourage us to keep asking him for healing. We should have that confidence in his authority over sickness and death. 
James, the brother of Jesus, who became one of the leaders in the early church, wrote, you do not have because you do not ask. Let's be a people who ask. Let's take God at his word that he heals, and let's reach out to him in faith. Faith requires action, just as it did in the passage that we read. And let's have that faith. Let's keep stepping out. The story also clearly shows us that there's no pattern or formula to Jesus' healing. He heals the woman as she touches his back. He heals Jairus' daughter by taking her by the hand and telling her to get up. That's a pretty major difference in technique, right? If you want to build a strict methodology around how Jesus healed people throughout the Gospels, I think you're likely to struggle. Sometimes he rebukes the sickness in somebody. Sometimes he just tells them that they're healed. Often he heals people that are right in front of him, but sometimes he heals people from distance. On one occasion, he heals a man by spitting in the dust and putting the mud on the man's eyes. In each instance, Jesus is doing what he knows to be right. He's following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's what we need to do as well. I've seen people healed in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes it's through a specific word of knowledge from God that he wants to heal a particular issue. Sometimes it's just through a general prayer for healing over a group of people. Sometimes healing comes instantaneously, and sometimes it seems to require a bit more persistent prayer. At King's, we've seen some healing come in unexpected and sometimes even quite strange ways, one of which you're going to hear about later on. I think the most the Bible gives us in terms of how to pray for someone is that it seems to be common for Jesus and his followers to uh, physically lay hands on people as they prayed and speak to the pain or the illness with the authority of Jesus. But let's not get too caught up in we have to do it like this or we have to do it like that because Jesus simply just doesn't allow us to base our faith for healing on you know, certain actions that we can perform or if we, you know, like we just jump through the right hoops, then Jesus is obligated to heal. It's just not like that. We're not healed by a ritual. We're healed by Jesus. It's not like casting a spell. This is coming before our personal Lord and Savior and asking him to heal. So why does God heal? Again and again in the Gospels, we see that love and compassion are what motivate God to heal. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We see the same thing at work in our passage from Luke chapter 8. Jesus isn't just content with with healing the woman with the bleeding physically, because he stops and he says, who touched me? She's already been healed, so why is he so keen that the woman gets identified? It's because he cares for her. He cares about her physical well-being but that's not the only thing he cares about. He doesn't want her to just go away physically healed. He wants to do something even more important. He wants her to know that she is loved. 
Even after she's been healed, verse 47 shows us that she's fearful. And Jesus wants, us, wants to calm her fears. He wants to talk with her, to reassure her. He helps her understand how she's been healed. And he makes her healing public so that she can easily be welcomed back into the community that she was cut off from. He calls her daughter. This is the only time that Jesus is recorded as having called someone this in the Gospels. And it's highly personal. It's highly, uh, it's just full of love. It's an expression full of very personal love for her. In the Gospels, the result of Jesus healing people wasn't just that they were in awe of his power, although I'm sure they were. They were loved. And that remains the case today. Why does God heal? Because he's a good father and he loves his children. And we, when we pray for the sick in the name of Jesus, the same love and compassion should be our motivation. Every person we pray for to be healed should leave feeling loved by us and reminded of God's amazing love for them, no matter what measure of healing comes. This is just so important. Physical healing is a reflection of a far more important healing that Jesus offers to us. Because all of us were afflicted by a devastating disease, a fatal infection that would surely cause our death. This is what the Bible calls sin. Sin is our rebellion against the God who loves us and who made us to live in harmony with him. Sin is far more than just a wrong decision or a kind of bad action here or there. It's a sickness that infects every part of us. But there is a cure. Through the cross, Jesus provides complete and eternal healing from this disease and its debilitating symptoms of guilt and shame, not to mention the fatal consequences. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't yet know Jesus. This vital spiritual healing is on offer to you. And it is far more important than any other miracle that we're going to talk about tonight because it gives eternal life. You can come to him tonight and ask for that. Physical healing in this life, however wonderful, is temporary. We'll all get old and this body will pass away. When Jesus heals the sick, it serves as an amazing foretaste of the promise of eternal life for all who believe in him. And when Jesus heals the sick, it is the kingdom of God in action in the here and now. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God and destroy the works of the enemy. And the impression we get from Jesus, more often than not, is that sickness is the work of the enemy. Every time Jesus heals the sick, it is the kingdom of heaven overthrowing the brokenness in our fallen world. In the Bible, we see that the kingdom of God is here, but also coming. It's now and not fully now. You know this to be true because sickness is still clearly part of our world. It's why we still see illness and injury and death around us. And this side of heaven, we may never fully understand why some people get healed and others perhaps don't. But when Jesus returns the, to bring his kingdom to complete fulfillment, fulfillment, sickness and death will be gone forever. 
We live with a promise that one day every prayer for healing will be answered perfectly. All those in Christ will be perfectly and eternally healed. Everybody will be made new along with all of creation. That's a great promise. But until then, you get to partner with God in bringing his kingdom now on earth. Jesus explicitly tells us to pray, thy kingdom come. When we pray for healing, that is exactly what we're doing. So let's be obedient to the instructions of Jesus and persevere in praying that his kingdom would increasingly break in and the sick would be increasingly healed. Amen? Thousands of years before Jesus came to earth, God revealed to his people that healing is an integral part of his character. He told them in Exodus 15, 26, quite early in the Bible, I am the Lord, your healer. Healing isn't just something that God does occasionally. It's something that he is. It's part of him. It's part of his name, one of the names that he's given us. And it's not something just limited to the earthly life of Jesus. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, God healed, often through the prophets. After Jesus ascended, God continued to heal through people in the early church. Just read through the book of Acts if you want to see the the huge role that healing played throughout the early church. And God continued to do just amazing miracles through his followers, like me and you, who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And he continues to heal today through us and through his worldwide church. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that God wants to show us tonight that he has not changed. He is a God who heals yesterday, today, and forever. I think healing the sick should be a normal part of following Jesus. As his followers, we're called to imitate Jesus. Jesus healed the sick, and so we should too. Furthermore, he said in John 14, 12, this is an amazing verse, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to minister as Jesus did. And if we're obedient to this calling, we will bless and build up the church. And I think we will open up opportunities for those who don't yet know Jesus to powerfully encounter him. The Apostle Paul talks about miracles like healing as proof of the truth of the gospel, that Jesus really does have authority over sickness and death. And this needs to be demonstrated here inside of the church, but it also needs to be demonstrated outside of the church. And that's going to require us to step out in faith. It's going to require us to take risks. It's definitely something that I want to grow in myself, and I want to encourage you to, to ask for more faith for that. I find it so encouraging to hear to hear stories of, of God healing people. So I've just asked three people uh, to come and share their testimonies of healing with us. So I'm going to ask uh, Jess to come up here. She's going to uh, share a couple of stories with you uh, about the healings that she's seen God doing. Is this on? Hello. 
Um, so when I was 11, I broke my ankle in a really horrible way. Um, and I, so it, it bro I broke it across my whole ankle, down my foot, and it split up my shin. Um, so it was quite bad. And um, I... So I was on crutches for ages of that and I had to have an operation to have my leg realigned because they were like, if you don't get it realigned, your foot probably won't grow properly. So I had that and then I recovered and my leg, when I took out the cast, the first thing I tried to do was try and point my toes and I couldn't point my, broke my right leg, I couldn't point my toe at all. It was like, if this is your normal pointed, like, toe pointed, I couldn't get it to about like 45 degrees and it caused me a lot of problems when I was walking. I wasn't walking properly, I was limping, and my mum was like, you're not walking properly, and I was like, I'm fine, mum, and I, I wasn't. Okay. Um, and so it was causing a problem with my ankles, very sore, and it was going affecting my knee and my hip. Um, and I won, uh, one summer we went to New Wine, which is New Wine is just a, a Christian festival where people like gather to worship and hear um, God's word, and there was a seminar thing about healing, so we went along, and people were just, the guy was just talking about healing, and my mum was like, you should have your ankle prayed for. And I was like, oh no, it's fine, it's not a big deal. And mum was like, you can't move your ankle, Jess. And I was like, okay. And so this was about, I'd say about a year later, um, and my mum just prayed for me, and she just said, leg be healed, and my ankle, my foot just dropped into place. And I was like, oh, that, that, that's weird. And I've, I'm like, the, the pain from my knee and hip um, went away, and my walking improved, I can walk properly now. Um, and at that same thing at New Wine, we also... Um, my mum prayed for a little girl who, she was four, and she'd been born deaf in one ear. And my mum just prayed and just said, ear open. And it was the first time she could hear out of one of her ears. And she went to her mum, and um, her mum was like, she can, she can hear me whispering in her ear. She's like, she can properly hear. And that was incredible. And another thing whereby um, this woman, um, she had one leg a lot shorter than the other, because when she was 18, she'd had a, a horse riding accident and she had a huge instep in her foot. It was um, her shoe. It was about an inch and a half. Um, and so they got a camera on it. So the guy who was like leading the meeting got a camera on it, and it was huge. This um, this gap. And he prayed for it. And he, was just, he just said, "Leg grow." Um, and it shot up in four little increments. And it was one of these things where you, you saw it and you went, "What?" Um, and he, he was like, your eyes couldn't quite take it in, and then it jumped again until it was completely the right length. And this woman got up and she was like, she didn't quite know how to stand. Um, and she tried to put her shoe back on with the, in and the instep and it wouldn't go on. Um, and so she'd had that when she was 18. She was in her 40s now and she was legging it around this tent. Like she was so overjoyed and she, like, she was absolutely buzzing. And yeah, it was absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Amazing. Thanks, yes. Brilliant. And now Esme is going to share another amazing story with you. On you go, Esme. Thanks. Uh, this isn't about me being healed. This is about me praying for someone. Uh, so some of you will remember Abina. Um, for those of you who don't know her, she's an amazing singer and worship leader. And she currently is in Nashville, which is why she's not here. Um, but a few years ago, she really damaged her voice uh, really badly. Her vocal cords were very swollen. Um, she had done five months of physio and nothing had changed or improved. Um, and the doctors were saying to her, look, there's nothing we can do. Uh, we don't know why it's not changing. It's just the way it is. Um, it wasn't just sore when she sang. It was sore when she spoke. And it was actually even just sore when she was uh, quiet which wasn't often for her, but um, <laughs> it was just always sore. And we'd prayed for her a lot. You know, singing for her is a really big deal. It was a big deal for, for us as well. And we prayed for her a lot uh, and nothing had changed. Um, 
then at one of the student weekends away, uh, we were praying for her again. And we, we were praying really, you know, we felt full of faith. Uh, nothing was happening. She said the, the pain was still there. And I thought I heard God say, she needs to eat some honey. So I told this to her and Jesse was also praying with us and they were like, that's weird. Well, let's not do that. Um, so we carried on praying and I, I just felt really urgently, no, she needs to eat some honey. I was like, guys, I'm really sorry. We have to do this. So we went through to the kitchen. We found the honey. She ate a spoon of honey and we prayed again um, and nothing happened. Uh, the pain was still there. Um, we were... Yeah, we were like, right, okay, we'll just go back and join the worship. Um, we, we went back into the meeting and, and we just joined the worship. We kind of had enough of, of praying. And um, as, I, as I started singing again, I heard all this laughter and crying. And Abina was just, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, she'd been completely healed. Um, the pain had gone. Um, she was singing again without pain. Um, and uh, yeah, could could just sing as she had been able to months earlier. No sign of the of the swelling, um, and uh, she's still singing happily away in Nashville now. And two weeks after Abino was healed, she led a solo at our carol service to hundreds of people in this room. So that was a, a pretty amazing moment. Over to Gemma. Um, I've got a couple of stories to share from New Day um, three years ago. So New Day is a um, Christian festival for teenagers, and we take our youth down to New Day every year. Um, and every, every New Day on the Wednesday night, we have a healing night, um, and somebody preaches on healing, and we hear stories, from, stories of young people who were healed from the previous New Day, um, and then we pray for people to be healed um, at that New Day. Um, so three years ago, um, we were at New Day, and I had gluten intolerance. Um, so um, around about the time I came to uni, um, I stopped being able to eat gluten, and it made me feel really unwell. Um, and my youth got around me, and they prayed for me. Um, and... I was like, well, I suppose if we're praying in faith, I should maybe try to eat some gluten and see what happens. Um, and it didn't make me feel like unwell enough that I would have to go to hospital. I was like, I just feel unwell. So if it hasn't worked, I'm not going to die. Um, so um, left the tent, ate a pancake, um, felt fine. Um, tried some more gluten. I can't remember what the next thing was. Tried something else a bit later on and was fine. Tried something else and was fine. Um, and the rest of New Day, the rest of that week, I was able to eat the normal meals that everybody else was eating. Um, and yeah, felt fine the whole time. Um, and then got really bad food poisoning on the way back up, which <laughs> dropped my confidence. Um, but we prayed again and um, had faith that the food poisoning was unrelated. Um, and it was, and I, yeah, continued to eat gluten, and I still really enjoy eating cake today. <laughs> um, and that same new day, um, we also prayed for a guy called Nathan, who was part of our youth group. Um, and he had something called scoliosis, which is where your spine is not straight. Um, so he had like a C-shaped spine. Um, 
and that caused him a lot of pain. Um, he had to have a special mattress um, and, yeah, just general discomfort. Um, and um, as Adrian Holloway was praying on stage, Nathan was standing there with his hand on his back um, and said that he felt something move in his back um, as we were praying. Um, and kind of did a couple of tests, sat down and moved around a bit and said um, kind of there was no pain. Um, and then one of, one of the people we were camping with was a physio. So kind of had a look at his back and was like, oh, well, it looks like your spine is straight, but go to the doctors when you come back um, and see what the doctor says. And the doctors did tests and um, scans and stuff and his spine was completely straight um and so he doesn't need his special mattress anymore he isn't in pain anymore um and yeah that was amazing praise god amazing we have an amazing god who heals amen we just heard some awesome stories about god's compassion and his power to heal the sick And in the book of Luke, just after the disciples witness him healing the woman with the bleeding and raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus calls his followers together and he commissions them. It's literally the next thing that happens after he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And I believe that what he says to them in that moment is also what he wants to say to us tonight. This is what I believe God's speaking over us tonight. I give you power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And I send you out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I'm so thankful for all the healing that God has done at King's Church over many years. He was even healing people this morning, our our morning meeting heard. But there is more for us. There's an invitation for us as a church, for all of us, to step out in faith and ask God to heal. And as we press into this together, I really believe God is going to respond to us. And I'm convinced that we will see more and more of his amazing healing power at work among us. So why don't we just stand together? Let's just close our eyes as we come before God. There are people here tonight that need healing. People tonight that need God to intervene and bring his amazing healing power to bear. For some of you, that's physical healing. Could be any illness, any pain, an injury, allergies like we heard about, or mental illness. I feel like, I feel like God wants to do something tonight in that area, that he wants to free some people from from long-standing mental illness. Nathaniel uh, came and shared a word with me earlier on that he feels like God's spoken to him that God wants to heal somebody of a condition that makes them tired, like something like ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. For others, you need God to heal you of some emotional pain. Or maybe you've realized that Tonight, your, your sickness goes much deeper. 
and you know that your relationship with God needs to be put right. You need to invite Jesus to bring the spiritual healing that only he can. You know, God made every part of you. He made you to be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. He wants to bring healing to every facet of you. He made you entirely, and he can heal you entirely. And I do believe that God is going to heal some people this evening. So if you'd like healing for any of these things or anything else, why don't you just raise your hand now where you are? Nothing's too big or small for God. I think there's many people in this place that God wants to bring his healing power to because he loves you. He loves his people. He loves to heal. So if you've got your hand up, just keep your hand up. Keep it nice and high. And if you feel like God has stirred your faith this evening to, to pray for healing, why don't you just go and gather around some of these people with their, their hand in the air? It'd be great just to see a little group around each person, just ready to, ready to pray for them. Just gather around them now. It'd be good to see. Just make sure everyone who's got their hand up has some people with them to pray. No worries if you'd rather just observe. That's okay as well. So you can ask the people that you're praying with what, what the particular issue that they'd like prayer for is. And if it's appropriate, do lay hands on that area and pray in faith, knowing that God hears our prayers. I'm just going to lead us from the front in a prayer and then you just continue praying once I've finished. Father, I want to thank you for your amazing healing power. I want to thank you that you love your children. God, I want to thank you that you love each person here, that they are a precious child of the King. And I want to ask, Lord, would you, would you heal each person who's coming before you this evening with a request for healing? Would you heal now by your power? We speak to every Every pain, every illness, every sickness. Do you want to speak to mental illness as well, to allergies? Speak to anything that is not right, any alignment that is out. And we tell it, we command it in the name of Jesus. Go now. Go now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just come and heal? 